I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. You remember that sounder? Yeah? We had that produced special for the days when you and I, each day, were gathering together to talk about the goings-on up on Utah's Capitol Hill. Utah's a little bit different. They, they do things differently. Here we have a part-time legislature. That's thanks in part to a number of factors, uh, one of them being the size of our state, another being the geographic makeup of our state, such like that. Uh, other states, they have full-time legislatures. If you are working up your, on your state's Capitol Hill, that's a full-time job. That's pretty good. Here in the state of Utah, legislators up there, they only work for about 45 days. Now, I shouldn't phrase it that way. Their job remains in place all year round. They interact with constituents, and they hold meetings and town halls, and they make themselves available to special sessions when they are called. And so I shouldn't say they only work for 45 days. The special session, the gen- or I'm sorry, the general session of the Utah legislature lasts for about 45 days. And from that general session emerges a number of bills, hundreds in some cases. In fact, this year, 510 bills passed the legislature and were signed by the governor. And the majority of those bills today take effect. That's one of the uh, the byproducts of having a part-time legislature. There is a, a big inundation of new laws that all take effect on about the same day. Well, today's that day. And you and I, we spent so much time going over all of these bills and some of the big ones that made headlines, some of the big ones that will impact your life or others that were just interesting, may not have a direct impact, but uh, were interesting nonetheless. For example, this, this first piece of legislation I want to remind you of and play a little bit of audio from our conversations back in the day. This one is a bill that was forwarded by Senator Deidre Henderson. Now, if you remember, Senator Henderson has uh, decided not to run again for uh, the Utah State Senate as she has joined up alongside Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox as he runs for governor. She would like to serve as Lieutenant Governor. That's what she's up to these days. But a few months ago, she was up to uh, the, the work before her as a senator for the state of Utah. And she put in place a piece of legislation that would change the penalty for bigamy between consenting adults. It would drop it from being a felony, which at the time was punishable, uh, with up to five years in prison, to now what it is, starting today, an infraction. The hopes being that this would allow those who find themselves living in the lifestyle of polygamy, should they want, to come out of the shadows. I'll let Senator Henderson explain exactly what she meant by that piece of legislation, which I'll remind you takes effect today. It's law today here in the state of Utah. Senator Henderson on her legislation regarding bigamy. The wall that we've built around polygamy to try to keep people out is actually the wall that's keeping a lot of them trapped inside. And so I'm proposing we rip down that wall as best we can. And she's been able to accomplish that. And 
It's a little bit late in the game to have a debate over this thing, but this is one of the bills which I disagreed with this year. I took a lot of time to touch base with both those living in these communities and uh, academic types who have dedicated their career to studying these communities. And some of the findings are that uh, when you relax the penalties and you relax the the criminal prosecution, uh, which could be faced by those uh, engaged in this type of behavior, you, you in fact don't allow folks to come out of the shadows. Sometimes life gets worse for folks. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that this, in fact, does allow folks to come out of the shadows should they feel the desire and live the life they want to live. That's one of the bills. Another one, moving on, this one uh, from Senator Wayne Harper, and it has to do with daylight saving time. Daylight saving time. Note, I'm not calling it daylight savings time. My little arrogant trivia for the day, this will be on the quiz on Friday, is that daylight saving time has no plural. There's no savings. It's daylight saving time. You can impress your friends or at least remind them how condescending you are by pointing that out next time you're chatting about this. SB 59 put forth by Senator Wayne Harper would allow Utah to shift to daylight saving time year round if at least four western states also make the change. Now, that is a hurdle which we can clear. The more difficult hurdle to clear comes in the second condition of this legislation, which is that the United States Congress has to give their approval. And I know uh, that Utah Congressman Rob Bishop has been working on this for a number of years because, as I remind you from time to time, I used to work back there in his office as a congressional aide. And for a few years in a row, uh, it was my job uh, to have my hands on this little piece of legislation just a little bit. Uh, there were other smart folks working on it as well. Uh, but I was able to see its progress, and uh, it, uh, we'll see if it makes its way all the way through Congress. There are other members of Congress who are working on similar efforts, but Congress needs to approve things, uh, and we have at least here at the Utah level paved the way to move to year-round daylight saving time. Senator Wayne Harper explaining his legislation. After listening to constituents, after talking to people in Utah and, that, and other states, people have determined it's, it's time to stop switching clocks and to move forward with a, with a time that is right for the state of Utah. Now, this next piece of legislation comes from Patrice Arendt. One of the big headlines to emerge from this year's legislative session is that Representative Arendt will no longer seek to hold office in the House of Representatives or the Senate. She's hanging it up. She's done. About 20 years into a career working in the state legislature, she uh, is walking away. I'm going to move on to the next chapter of her life. Now, years ago, she started an effort that has to do with the safe haven law. When I heard that Representative Arendt would be retiring, I called her up immediately and I said, hey, please, will you come in studio, have a conversation with me, talk to me about the highlights of your career, talk to me about what you've learned, what lessons you would like to impart on the generation of lawmakers to come after you've gone, uh, what are the high points and what are the low points, even if you'd share them? And we started with the high points, and she said that uh, one of the high points of her career was bringing about this safe haven legislation here in the state of Utah. Now, what is safe haven? It is that a woman who gives birth to a baby will have a certain period of time in which she can, without penalty, without questions asked, without fear of prosecution or persecution, abandon her baby at a hospital. 
the way that safe haven law first went into effect here in the state of Utah was that that new mother would have 72 hours. That from the time of birth and 72 hours thereafter, she would be able to, as I said, without penalty, without prosecution, without fear, abandon her newborn child at a hospital. As we covered that story, we, we spoke even to one young man who was delivered to a hospital in this fashion. And he grew up to be a, a strong, fine a young man who's got a lot of uh, life ahead of him. And that's a wonderful thing. Patrice Arendt this year continued her work on that front and extended the drop-off window from 72 hours to 30 days. We allow for the anonymous drop-off at any hospital, and then the baby gets goes and uh, is checked and ends up in a loving home and a, a good situation for the infant. So these three bills we've discussed here uh, are just three of 510 bills passed by the legislature this year. They, for the most part, all go into effect today. There's a Deseret News roundup put together by Lisa Riley Roche and a colleague of hers. I'll post that on my Facebook page. You can learn, uh, you can read the long list of bills which take effect today. I'm going to put that up on the Facebook page right now. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about one final bill which takes effect today and will impact the way you vote come November. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're going to talk about the mechanics of voting. Stay with me. It's important. It will impact the way that you vote this coming November. The mechanics of voting. Take note of this number first before we go any further. 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. We're going to be talking about uh, an issue here which may divide you. There will be many of you who feel one way and many who feel the other way, and I would like to know about how uh, you feel. 57500, Utah Community Credit Union text line. Before the break, we were talking about the hundreds of laws which take effect today as a result of all the bills passed uh, by the Utah State Legislature, signed by the governor. Uh, We talked about some of those bills and how they might affect your life. And there is one bill that changes fundamentally the way we vote here in the state of Utah. And it is the issue of straight ticket voting. That now, or at least come November, is a thing of the past here in the state of Utah. Representative uh, Patrice Arendt, she was the driving force behind this effort 
to do away with that option on the ballot. Oh, you know what? I should define what straight ticket voting is. I, I know you know, but uh, I, I got to tell the rest of these folks. I know you know. Straight ticket voting is an option on the ballot which allows you to check a box to then automatically cast a vote for everyone in a single political party. So you can check the all Republican box. That would then automatically fill in every race. It would cast your vote for in every race for the Republican candidate. And, and the same goes on the Democrat side. If you would like to vote in a straight ticket fashion on the Democrat side, you can check a similar box and every race which contains a Democrat candidate will receive your vote. Saves time. That's it. Check a box. Walk away. That's all you got to do, right? Well, there are some folks who think that we ought to spend more time reading our ballot. And maybe if the option of straight ticket voting was allowed to us that we might overlook some of the propositions or maybe some of the nonpartisan races that we wouldn't be as engaged in politics as we ought to. Now, before we get into uh, my thoughts on this, let's uh, hear from those who were in the thick of it. Here again is Representative Patrice Arendt talking about this measure of hers, again, which becomes law today and will impact the November ballot. Patrice Arendt on straight ticket voting, her legislation. Someone will walk up to me in the grocery store and say, you know, I voted straight ticket Republican and I was so excited to vote for you. And I'm like, uh, if you looked at the names, I'm a Democrat. You did not (laughs) vote for me. Actually, the amount of time it takes just to go through and check the individual names is under a minute. Now, if you want to know what takes a long time on the ballot, it's the judges. But we don't have a straight ticket option there. So this just says we're going to be like those other states. There's only seven other states that allow this, and one of them has a hybrid. And some of those are going to be taking care of this session where they're going to get rid of them. So really, it's just it's about democracy. It's about voting for people that you think you're voting for. And, you know, the funny statistic I just found out is that after the Republicans and the Democrats, the third highest number of straight ticket ballots go to the independent American Party. Why? Because people like to check, I'm an independent but there are hardly any candidates. Right. So they've really... They've Great, skipped, you have one vote. And so they've skipped voting in so many races. That was a, a conversation some time ago between Representative Patrice Arendt uh, and Dave, Dave and Debbie on their morning program. And I've got to say, I am a huge admirer of Patrice Arendt, but this attitude that she's expressing and the attitude which ultimately carried the day and gained sufficient votes to remove the option from the ballots here in Utah is, I think, disrespectful. It's arrogant. If you read between the lines of what she and other supporters of this measure are saying, it is that you are not smart enough to successfully navigate your ballot. That you do not have the capacity to understand the option presented to you. That if you were to check on all of one party, that you were too stupid to keep scrolling and see that there were, in fact, races which were nonpartisan, that there were races which weren't necessarily occupied or uh, being competed for by a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, as Representative Arendt points out there. Now, Producer Amy, when we were in the heat of this debate early on this year, she did some good research for me and discovered that, get this, 30% of us here in the state of Utah... 30% of those casting ballots over the past few years have 
taken advantage of the option of straight ticket voting. So to 30% of us, we are being told by leaders in the legislature and the governor who signed this that we have been irresponsibly voting, that we have been irresponsibly casting our ballots in the way that we saw fit. Now, this was a bipartisan measure, of course. You know that Representative Patrice Arendt uh, is a Democrat. Uh, that means that because this made its way into law, that there were a number of Republicans who supported it. And that's all well and good, but I wish it hadn't happened. I do understand also that we here in Utah uh, were something of a minority, as we had held out for so long, leaving that option on the ballot. I think before we got off this list, there were only seven states left. And so it was the popular thing to do amongst the other United States to remove this option from the ballot. But I disagree with all of those states that took it off. Why? Well, because as I just mentioned, 30% of us here in the state of Utah decided to use that option. And we have now been told that we can't vote the way we want. Anyway... Let me play for you some of the argument against shared with me by Representative Brad Daw. He made some great points. I'll share them with you, and then we'll move on. I see no reason not to give voters that option. I mean, we've always done it. It's never been a problem. And uh, if they don't want to take it, they can vote to, for whoever they want to. But uh, I don't see that this actually solves anything to do away with it. I agree with that. Last point made by Representative Brad Daw uh, was on this issue that, well, if there is not a bipartisan race, well, then maybe someone uh, might miss a race on the ballot, and they might not participate fully in this democratic process. He responded to that. If a voter isn't willing to look down the ballot, uh, we got bigger issues than whether or not that box is at the top. I mean, the fact is, is uh, uh, thinking that we're going to somehow change uh, voter behavior dramatically by removing the box, I think, is kidding ourselves. And, and if we acknowledge that there's a problem, then maybe we ought to look at really solving the problem instead of pretending that we actually did something worthwhile. Will that be, that be the final word? I'll, I'll point out that uh, this, in fact, has become law, that Utah no longer offers straight-ticket voting as an option on the ballot, and come this November, you will, for the first time, see a ballot uh, void of this option. We're going to move on now. In the next segment, we're going to talk about bump stocks. You remember them? Well, Clark Apotion, chairman of the Utah Shooting Sports Council, continues his battle in court to get his hands back on his bump stock. He'll talk to us next about the progress of his legal fight. We'll ask him some questions about the future. Coming up next on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.